Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. This morning we're continuing in our series, which we've called Supernatural Church. And we started this a few weeks ago. And um, you know, whether we are believers, whether we're followers of Jesus today, whether we're part of this body, there's still something for us all in understanding what the church of Jesus is, is all about. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the church of Jesus is here on this earth to announce the arrival of his kingdom. That's what we're doing in this town. The scriptures say of Jesus that of the greatness of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. The kingdom of God is an ever-increasing kingdom. Of the church, Jesus said, I, that's Jesus, will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And do you remember a couple of weeks ago we had Richard Jones with us and he was talking on that scripture exactly and he was saying, well, come on, the church isn't here like cowering in a corner, clinging on for, for, for life until Jesus comes again to rescue us. You know, and, and it's okay because the gates of hell won't quite devour us by the time Jesus comes. It's not that at all. We're part of an advancing kingdom of God and we are rattling the gates of hell. We're setting captives free as the word of Jesus is preached to people who are living in darkness, the gates of hell will not prevail against the advance of the kingdom of God. Far from clinging on and waiting desperately for Jesus to come and rescue us, he is maturing us into a bride that's going to be worthy of him when, when he comes. When we um, have been looking at this Supernatural Church series, I want to give you a really quick recap for those who have been here but might have forgotten and those who weren't here at all and have got every reason for not remembering this. So, uh, first of all, Supernatural Church. The church, it's born from above. We are built together to become a dwelling place where God lives by his Holy Spirit. That is the place, that is, that is the temple, to use Bible, Old Testament language. Uh, that is where God dwells. That's why we can meet in a school hall on a Sunday morning. We don't need a special consecrated building because the holy thing isn't the building the holy thing is the people who make up the church and if we are followers of Jesus and know what it is to have the spirit of God living inside of us God says well that's where I dwell that's where I live we also thought about how the holy spirit is described as being the divine deposit put down as a uh, as a deposit making us certain of our identity making us certain of our inheritance in Christ and we were given an encouragement that week to make a drawdown on faith, to see and be able to work out our inheritance in Jesus more fully. Richard spoke to us about being a church that is just like Jesus. After all, Jesus said, I will build my church. And therefore, doesn't it stand to reason that the church he builds is just like him? We're a church. We're not super spiritual. We're not superstitious. We're not superficial. We're not super serious. Amen. <laughs> Instead, the church is heavenly. 
Instead, the church is full of life and full of the life of the Holy Spirit. Then last week, we were thinking about, well, because that's who we are, because we are the people among whom God lives by his spirit, we can expect to see God-shaped life within our lives. There will be evidence of Holy Spirit life among us when we gather. And you remember Stephen last week was talking about, well, what happens when we gather? What are the things that should be taking place? Uh, how is it that, that the whole body can bring contributions and, and be prepared to be, to be ready together? And today what I want to talk about is, um, well, I've called it striving for maturity. What it means as, as both as a body of believers and as individuals to be growing up and strong in our faith. And uh, the Bible is very clear about this. So could you turn to Ephesians chapter 4? Because we're going to read a good chunk of scripture, which I think will be really helpful for us today. Just before I start to read, would you pray with me? Because we want to ask God by his Holy Spirit to help us as we look at his word today. So Holy Spirit, we take you at your word when you say that you are the revealer of all truth. And therefore we ask you now as we look into God's word to people today that you um, make our hearts leap with what we find. Would you give us things that are going to encourage us and strengthen us and build us up today that are going to make us stronger and increasingly mature in our faith? And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift, and some versions might say here a special grace, through the generosity of Christ. This is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. 
This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown around by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, his church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbours the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviour. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ, has forgiven you. Amen. From reading that passage of scripture, and from what we know about the other letters that Paul wrote to the churches, it's really clear that one of his concerns as an apostle of Jesus Christ and a spiritual father to those churches under his care was that believers should grow in their maturity in all the churches that he founded. I just want to say this, maturity has nothing to do with experience. Maturity has nothing to do with our education. It's nothing to do with the number of A-levels you've got. Maturity has got nothing to do with age. Age makes you old. It doesn't make you mature. So this applies to everybody from youngest to oldest, it's possible to have a teenager who is following God, saying they've been following God for years and years and years. 
But the idea that um, new believers should remain immature and forever dependent on their leaders for input and for encouragement and for correction clearly is not a model that will produce growth in any walk of life at all. Think about it in, in sport or think about it in, in business. We need people to grow up in their maturity, in their understanding, in their effectiveness to whatever it is they've been, they've been called to do. And therefore, an important objective of, of any church leadership needs to be to see believers with an ability to read and understand the word of God for themselves, to hear and respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit for themselves, although all within the context of a wider body of believers. If you belong to this church here, that wider body of believers is Living Rock Church in Market Harbour. All believers can and should play a part in the advance of the kingdom of God. After all, look at verse 8. He has given each one of us a special gift or a grace. Uh, what it really means is he's given us something we've not earned of ourselves. It's a gift. That's what a gift is. Through the generosity of Christ. And therefore, followers of Jesus don't just join the church in the manner that one might join a golf club, where we pay our fee and settle back and enjoy the benefits although there are many. And this isn't a place actually for settling at all. This is a place for pressing on. I want to read something that uh, Paul said when he wrote, wrote to the church in Philippi. He said this, chapter 3, verse 12, I press on to possess some versions to take hold of that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed or first took hold of me. Dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting what's in the past and looking forward to what's li- what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. And then he says this. This always makes me laugh. Chris. He knows what he believes, says Paul. He says, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point... I believe God will make it plain to you. (laughs) Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. So I wonder for us today whether we can just be thinking in our minds, what are the things that we are prepared to settle for as being part of the body of, of believers here? And what are the things that we are wanting to press into? Maybe Sunday attendance. Or maybe that ticks the box. Sunday attendance. Are we we prepared to settle for turning up once a week or a couple of times a month or whatever whatever the pattern is? Maybe it's life group attendance as well because that's a bit keener, isn't it? Life group as well. That's twice in a week. (laughs) Maybe it's life group attendance. Maybe that's where we're going to settle. Maybe it's being on a rotor. We've got so many people here, we are really blessed that almost every person who is a member of the body of Christ here is serving the church one way or another. And and rotors are the way we make this work really practically. Maybe it's that. Those things are all all good in their way, but they are all means to an end. Let's look at what Paul says, uh, which will help us to to press on together. When we look at Ephesians chapter 4, what he's writing about when he's encouraging the church to become mature is he's talking about 
corporate maturity. That's all of us who form the local body of believers growing up in the things of God together. In fact, he says that, um, that, that the body of Christ is being built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So this passage is talking about a corporate maturity. That's for the whole body of believers to become mature. And this is something we do do and something we will continue to do together. And of course, having a church which is mature doesn't mean that we'll no longer have any new converts or we'll no longer have any immature believers among us. In fact, one sign of a church being healthy and mature is that it is regularly growing through unbelievers being saved and and added to the church. And in addressing this issue of corporate maturity, Paul has a lot to say about unity, both at the start of this fourth chapter of Ephesians and then right at the end of this fourth chapter of Ephesians. In in verse 5, he says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. United in the Spirit. What he's saying is, as believers, we already have the Holy Spirit of God within us. We are already united to one another. And rather than only pursuing things we don't yet have, we're to work to maintain the existing unity that we do have by being humble and by being gentle and patient and bearing with one another uh, because of our great love for one another. We're a supernatural church. A supernatural church will display supernatural unity. Supernatural unity. If you think about situations you might find yourself in during the week, uh, you might be in the workplace, in an office, uh, you might be in the school classroom, you know, where, wherever it is, you will know that there are people that you come across and you witness either them rubbing up against each other and everything's kicking off, or even people that rub up against us and it's not an easy relationship. God's church, God's body of believers are brought together from all walks of life. There are bound to be people within the body of believers we wouldn't necessarily have sought out for friends. But we have this in common. He's given us the deposit of the Holy Spirit into our lives and we are to work hard in a supernatural way, not the way the world does stuff, but the way God by his Holy Spirit does stuff. Work together for supernatural unity. Later in the chapter, verse 13, Paul says that we're to work towards unity in the faith. And um, unity in the spirit, unity in the faith, they're not, they're not contradictory. There's a spirit-given unity which already exists and we must maintain. But there's also the process of um, pursuing unity in the faith wherever we can, finding substantial agreement on the main truths of our Christian faith and a willingness and a determination to work wherever we can for unity based on the truth of God. And this unity of faith applies both within the local church and also across local churches. So think of this town. There are a number of local churches in the town, in this town. And we are to pursue unity wherever we can. That is, that is what the scripture says. Practically, this might mean refusing to allow gossip to take a foothold. 
Practically, this will mean only speaking well of each other. We can't allow quarrels. We can't allow petty disagreements to fester within the church. It just can't happen. I'm saying this today without an agenda. Straight up. I'm, I'm not saying this today to put to bed some problem that I'm aware of. I just want to be really categoric in saying that. But the scripture says that we're to work hard towards unity. That's part of what it is to be mature in Christ. And therefore we really need to guard everything that Christ has given to us and work hard to maintain it. Let's be people who are not engaging in gossip. Let's be people who are always speaking well of other believers inside or outside of the church. When Paul wrote a letter to the Philippian church, one of his main, um, main strategies in writing that letter was to um, encourage, encourage the church to relate well to one another. And in fact, at that time, we're told there were two ladies in the church who were falling out with each other. And um, he, he writes to them, names them in the letter specifically and says, you people, you've just got to get this sorted out. This can't carry on in the church of God. But as part of that letter, he writes these words, which we will know quite well. He says, is there any, any encouragement from belonging to Christ? That's a rhetorical question. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Yes. 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 Any comfort from his love? Yes. yes. Any fellowship together in the spirit? Yes. yes. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Yes. Yes. <laughs> then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Then you'll probably know that Paul goes on to just relate the words of this early Christian hymn talking about Christ and how he left heaven and came with the attitude of a, of a humble servant. His words make clear that we should have an attitude which honours and serves rather than exhorting ourselves. We need to guard what we've been given already. So, what are the signs of corporate maturity? Here's the first one. We will not be unstable like little boats bobbing on a rough sea. Verse 14, we will not be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will be stable, knowing the truth for ourselves and being convicted, uh, convicted by it. Not be unstable. When we put together a little slide for today uh, at the back, we found a picture of stable little boats which are not bobbing about on the rough sea. And you know what it is to be bobbing about on the rough sea as a little boat, don't you? You can, you can be there and all of a sudden you're heading in this direction and the wind blows and the waves come and all of a sudden you're heading in this direction. And we don't want to be followers of Jesus like that. We don't want to be pursuing God over here. And then someone says, oh, what did you about the... Ooh, well, what's... Yeah, and, and every time we hear something new, we're, we're, we're following it. You know, in this day and age, we, so, we can so quickly and so easily um, access all sorts of teaching, all sorts of opinions, um, and particularly with the advent of the internet, uh, 
We, we could spend literally all day, every day, listening to people online talking about what they think God is like. Um, and we need to know what it is to, to guard ourselves from that. Know who it is we're listening to. Know whose words we are receiving. And know that they are consistent with what God says of himself in the Bible. Sometimes what we hear can be quite enticing, can't it? Sometimes we can hear things that have a little bit of mystery attached to them. I saw something online this week that one, one group has, uh, has decided that Jesus is going to come again on the 23rd of April. That's not long, is it? Unless you're Stephen, it's three months away. But, <laughs> but, and, and, and someone replied, and someone replied, well, that's great. I don't have to hit my deadlines anymore then. <laughs> but you know, the, no, the word says that no one knows when Jesus is going to come again. So you know, let's not be enticed by that. God says no one knows. So let's believe God. Yeah. Let's not believe somebody who claims to have worked it out in the meantime. Yeah. Here's another sign of spiritual maturity. We speak the truth in love. Verse 15. And in fact, I'm told that the, the Greek translation of this is literally truthing in love. I have to... I have to take other people's word for that. I'm not a Greek scholar at all. I had a Greek salad once, and that's got to count for something. But, but, I, uh, but we're told that, the, that the, the Greek actually is talks about truthing in love. That actually means that we are speaking and living out the truth. Yeah, it's more, actually, than just, just speaking the truth. John Stott, he wrote uh, in his book, God's New Society, he said this, Thank God that are those in the contemporary church who are determined at all costs to defend and uphold God's revealed truth. But sometimes they are conspicuously lacking in love. When they think they smell heresy, their noses begin to twitch, their muscles ripple, and the light of battle enters their eyes. They seem to enjoy nothing more than a fight. Others make the opposite mistake. They're determined at all costs to maintain and exhibit brotherly love. But in order to do so, are prepared even to sacrifice the central truths of revelation. Both these tendencies are unbalanced and unbiblical. Listen to this. Truth becomes hard if it is not softened by love. Love becomes soft if it is not strengthened by truth. Truth becomes hard if it's not softened by love. Love becomes soft if it's not strengthened by truth. The apostle calls us to hold the two together, which should not be difficult for spirit-filled believers, since the Holy Spirit himself is the spirit of truth, and his first fruit is love. Therefore, there is no other route than this to a fully mature Christian unity. The effect of truthing in love is to see each member functioning as they should. Verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I don't know what special part each of us are playing at the moment. But special parts could be caring for one another pastoring one another, 
teaching, encouraging, prophesying, leading, practical ministries, doing stuff. Our unity and our maturity are enriched by our diversity of gifts. Just to spin that on its head. The more diverse our gifts, the more we are united and are able to function as the body of Christ. Here's the third way we can be mature corporately. When we allow ourselves to be equipped by all of the gifts that God has given to the church. I have some personal testimony on this. A few years ago, God spoke to me and revealed to me through the teaching of faithful men the importance of these gifts to the church. And specifically that these are all gifts that we can expect to see today. These gifts of Christ are sometimes called the five-fold gifts because there are five of them and they appear in this fourth chapter of Ephesians. It says, are given for the maturity of the people of God. And I knew for myself that I needed to make sure that I put myself in the way of such ministry. Specifically coming under apostolic and prophetic ministry, which is something that happened very rarely in my life and my own experience. My conviction became that, well, if God's word says that Christ has given these gifts to the church for their equipping and maturity... I need to bring myself into line with the word of God. You know, I really want to encourage and urge us all today to run after these people who are the gifts of Christ and are given to us for our equipping and for our maturity. So who are these people? What are these gifts? Verses 11 and 12. The apostle. The apostle is there to make the church apostolic. What I mean by that is clear on our foundations, clear on what we believe, clear on the purposes of God, clear on the mission of God. Yeah? You can't build something unless you know what it is you're building. And that is what the apostle is there to, to do. The prophet. The prophet is given to the church to, yes, prophesy, but actually to make the church, to make the body prophetic. To help the church and all its members to hear God for themselves and to um, know what it is to hear the word of God for our times. And it's the same, the evangelist is given to us because he's there not to do all the evangelising. We don't work with an evangelist and send them off while the rest of us sit back and, uh, and drink coffee. The evangelist is here to encourage the church to be evangelistic. It is a gift of Christ given to the body specifically that we can go and um, follow through on on the fruit of that gift. The pastor, given to the church, that the church is pastoral. The idea of of one guy in the church being the pastor to tens, twenties, fifties, hundreds of people is ridiculous. It's not possible. One guy can't do that. If you've got a guy among you who is the pastor, he will be equipping the church to be pastoral to one another. To one another. And the teacher, the teacher equips the church to understand the Bible, to understand the word of God, to think biblically biblically in all situations. 
and to be able to explain what it is um, that we believe to other people. Isn't it wonderful? Seriously, isn't it wonderful that Jesus has given these special gifts to his church for our equipping and maturity? It's wonderful. Take heart. Be encouraged. In his marvellous plan, God knew that if he called people together as believers and didn't dwell among them by his Holy Spirit, didn't give gifts to individuals to equip and build up the church, he knew it would be a mess. But Ephesians 4, very clearly, these gifts are given to us for our equipping, for our maturity, that the whole church will be presented to Jesus, mature and, and full of him in every way. Take heart. In addition to a concern for the maturity of the whole body, Paul was equally concerned about the maturity of individuals, individual people within that body. You know, this is also apostolic activity. It's not just what Paul did in his day. It's what we can expect to see and receive in our day. It's a hallmark of apostolic activity. I know, and I hope you know as well, that there are men who are um, set in as apostles and as fathers to this house who will delight in the maturing of this body of believers in Market Harbour. And not just the body. Delight in the maturing of individuals within that body of believers. This is particularly clear when we read Paul's letter to the Colossians. And if you've got your Bible and want to just stick your thumb in that page, there's a couple of verses we'll, uh, we'll pick up from there just to show you. In fact, I wanted to read a bit of a chunk. I couldn't decide which bits to miss out, so I didn't. Uh, Colossians 1, start at verse 28. We're going to read into the top of Colossians chapter 2. So Paul writes, So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works in me. That's the apostle's heart. I want you to know how much I've agonised for you, and for the church at Laodicea, and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Remember that again from Ephesians For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. So there we have it. What care Paul takes, what love and devotion he has to the church under his care. What high aspiration Paul has for those people he's, uh, he's looking out for. I want to ask us, do we know that care and those high aspirations from those who are leading us. I I believe we do. And we should be encouraged in that. So what does it mean for individuals to be mature in Christ? Well, first of all, again, just the same as the corporate, that we are knit together in love. 
This binding together in the love that we have among us is not something we leave for other people to do. It's an individual thing. We all play our part, accepting one another, forgiving one another. How we handle our relationships is a hallmark of our Christian maturity. As individuals, we are mature if we understand the mystery of God, namely Christ. Christ in you, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ has fulfilled all of God's purposes. The scripture says, I am in Christ because he saved me. He is in me because he has sent his Holy Spirit. And therefore, I am part of the fulfilment of God's mighty plan. If we were to walk out on the street today and to say to a stranger, Hi, I'm Phil, and I am part of the fulfilment of God's mighty plan. (laughs) People would think we're bonkers, but that is what the scriptures say about us. It sounds really big-headed, but this is what God says. These are the riches that God has placed in us through faith in Jesus and the receiving of his Holy Spirit. And if we're part of God's mighty plan, then our dynamic, our shift, the the focus of our lives changes. We're no longer on this planet just to please ourselves. We're not part of his church for our own benefit. But we're here to play our part in the fulfilment of God's mighty plan. What a thing. You and me. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9 says this, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. Lean in. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. God's mighty plan. And therefore maturity is an understanding and a participation in God's ultimate purpose, which is to bring everything together under the authority of Jesus. Under the authority of Jesus. We need to know this for ourselves. Really know it for ourselves. Heavenly truth like that is truth which the enemy will want to snatch away. I am part of the fulfilment of God's mighty plan. The enemy will say to us, that sounds so big-headed. That can't possibly be true. I've seen you. I know what you did. I know the things you've said. I know the, of my mighty plan. We need to know this and know this and know this. A further sign of individual maturity is to be absolutely convinced by the truth of Jesus. Not to be knocked off balance. Not to step away from the truth to follow the latest fad or clever sounding teaching. Instead, be strong and established in faith. If you've got your thumb in Colossians chapter 2 verse 6. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies 
and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers rather than from Christ. Put our roots down into him and we will overflow with thankfulness. And that's, that's really just the last thing, it's overflowing with thankfulness. It's being a hallmark of individual maturity in, in Christ. We're to be worshippers. When we're not being worshippers, we need to be worshippers. We're not to be grumblers and complainers. That's not the reputation we want. We want to be worshippers. We want to be overflowing with thankfulness. We want to be overflowing with thankfulness when people are watching us. And when people aren't watching us. We want to choose to be worshippers. We want to develop a culture of worship within our spirits. One of the um, things that you'll often read in the book of Psalms is the psalmist will write, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Sometimes we, we sing a song, um, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And those words are not directed to God. Those words are directed to ourselves. He says, come on, everything that's within me, praise God. Even if I don't feel like it today, bless the Lord, O my soul. Ah, but my week's going bad. But bless the Lord, O my soul. Ah, but this happened. Oh, we had an accident. Ah, we've run out of money. Whatever it is. Ah, but bless the Lord, O my soul. Developing ourselves a culture of thankfulness, a culture of worship. We're not talking about hyping something up within ourselves. We're allowing the Spirit of God to witness to us. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and let me not forget all of his benefits. Some versions, all of the good things he does for me. Lap it in, you know, remember and give thanks. Let's be people who are thankful people all the time. So in conclusion, I want to say this. Today we've not been thinking about things, and I hope you've not been thinking about things, which becomes a list of stuff we should do better. We're not trying to write a list today that's going to condemn us and make us feel guilty. God knows what we're like. He made us. His plan is to bring his church to maturity using supernatural believers like you and me and all the gifts he gives to his body. And the question today is not even will the church come to maturity and unity because the answer is yes, it will in God's fullness of time. Today is a day on which we can be confident in God's mighty plan. Today is a day on which we can be comforted by the knowledge that we have apostolic ministry, fathers to this house whose delight will be to see maturity across his body of believers. And this is a day when we can be convinced that we really are a body pressing on to maturity together, guarding the unity that we've already found in order that we may continue to effectively announce the kingdom of God in this town and beyond. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. 
There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.